You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith for the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Joining me for tonight's episode, I'm glad to welcome back Nick Lee. The Seahawks were back to practice today, Nick. It, it was a pretty busy day for the Seahawks, and, and not just uh, with you know guys doing football-related stuff. There was some extracurricular activities that took place today, so we'll have a chance to talk about that. But first, uh, how are you doing? I'm glad to have you back on the show. I'm doing great. You know, it's uh, always great to be on here and always uh, it's even on video. I know you guys are going to see me bobbing and weaving. I know that's unavoidable. <laughs> that's just a part of my personality. But um, and we are here. We are August 1st. It is officially August and we are one week away from actual football being played on an actual field against an actual opponent. I know it's crazy how quick this goes. Rob and I were talking about this the other day that it's amazing. We are now officially halfway through training camp. It's just so different than it used to be in like the 80s, 90s, early 2000s where teams were practicing 20 plus times during training camp and they had a bunch of two-a-days. It's just not that way anymore. And we'll talk about this in the second quarter later, but the way that things have changed is also altered with the way teams are practicing, not just the limited number of practices, but how they're practicing. And the Seahawks have only had one full padded practice to this point it's just it's a different game than what it used to be cba's changed that uh, teams being more cautious about health we'll get to that later but we're going to kick off the festivities for our show in the first quarter with the latest news out of renton what happened to the vmac today the sixth practice for seattle we've got some injury news to go over including some not so pleasing updates on lj collier's uh, status a first round pick for the seahawks in the second quarter we're going to come back and taking a closer look at some of the storylines out of practice today uh, including interestingly enough having the blue angels flying over the practice field and and that created some issues for the seahawks today uh, during their practice and they were punished at the end of it for that we'll get to that in the second quarter then in the third quarter with you coming back i felt we had to bring back your favorite game we've been doing this ever since we got together uh, for the legion of 12 radio podcast we're going to do some stock watch and take a look at which players have helped their cause so far and which players have not so much but anyway make sure you listen to the new locked on nfl podcast with the expert analysis of former nfl scout matt williamson and hosted by brian peacock locked on nfl is your daily national podcast on all things nfl with matt's unique take on the game so going into our first quarter nick it's another really busy day at the vmac According to Pete Carroll, the Seahawks have tried to crescendo the early part of camp. They're trying to cut down how much contact there is during the early stages, trying to avoid injuries. He said the first 10 days are especially critical for that. And like I said, it's just a different ball game now for NFL teams. And they again today just had a helmet after their first padded practice was Tuesday. They have yesterday off. They come in and they just have a helmet on today. It's certainly a different strategy than they've used in earlier years in the Pete Carroll era. It is different, and it's different since you and I have played football, and uh, obviously we didn't play in the NFL, but just football in general as a culture has changed a lot in the last five, year, five seven years, and, um, and injuries are still going to happen regardless, especially of the non-contact variety, which so, uh, can be worse at some in some cases. It, it usually it's an ACL or, or an Achilles. We're going to get more into that, but speaking of injuries, of course, LJ Collier, the big, the big story coming out of camp so far as the injury, has a, quote, rare ankle sprain. Carroll said it's really it's related to the upper part of his foot and an injury that the Seahawks have never really had to deal with before. 
and certainly in um, Pete Carroll's tenure. So there's not really a timetable because they don't have any precedence on on what this will and how long this will take to heal. But um, losing him for any amount of time is going to be is just crucial and and just hurts because it it sounds like it's going to be. And it's going to take weeks, according to what Carol said, and and especially with him being a rookie, these are such valuable reps, even if they're not hitting. And and I, it's looking more and more like he's definitely not going to be ready week one. Yeah, he just got tangled. It was horrible. He got tangled up. You know how this is with offensive and defensive linemen. Sometimes those guys end up in really weird positions. He got his feet all tangled up uh, working against Dwayne Brown. He was trying to uh, bull rush back against him, and so a lot of people saying he's working with third team. He was getting some reps against the first team offense. So you can't say that he was not in the mix to be potentially starting in week one. Now, I find it hard to believe that he's going to be ready for that first game given this injury. And I've heard about guys having this this type of an ankle sprain before. This is certainly not your typical uh, low uh, low uh, ankle sprain or high ankle sprain. You have those two distinct ones that are most common. This one I've seen with some runners, interestingly enough. And based on what I've been told, talking to a few people that are professional runners or used to be professional runners, uh, these injuries can take a couple months to heal, d- depending on how bad, what grade the sprain was. So this might not be something the Seahawks are familiar with, but it, it's certainly something that they're going to have to monitor week by week, as Carol has said. And uh, uh, Carol you know they're they're in a tough spot here right now. They have to decide: Do we have the guys currently on the roster to be able to fill the void if he's going to be out for several weeks into the regular season, or they got to figure out: Are we going to go out and get a free agent today? He made it well known that yeah, we could go out and get somebody, but they're still confident in Quentin Jefferson and Rasheem Green. I would hedge bets right now if they have to go with another starter week one. It's probably Jefferson since he started twelve games last year. Probably, and he's got the experience that they they want to count on that. And yeah, it, it, all of a sudden, I know he was a rookie, and I know he hasn't even played a real legit snap in the NFL. But losing LJ Collier is going to really hurt this depth because any Super Bowl contending team, you gotta have pass rushers stocked up like food storage for a, apocalypse. I mean, you have to have them um, and and fill all the covers with pass rushers. And and if you lose one or two, it can't cripple your team. And I'm not saying this is going to cripple the Seahawks, but. I'm a little wary about the depth they have at pass rush. I know they seem confident, but Rasheem Green did not instill confidence in me last year. I know he was a rookie and very raw and very young, and he could certainly be coached up and turned into a fine third-round pick. Um, but as far as right now, I would, I, I think I disagree. I think we need to get Nick Perry on the horn. We need to get some guys in here, and I know they're working out a few players, but um, I, I think that they need to really take a hard look at what they have, and, and I'm not sure they're going to find the depth they need. Yeah, I think Green's certainly the player they are hoping they've been counting on this whole time. And of course, Carroll in his press conference today, he made certain comments that indicated, hey, second-year player, he's understanding his role now, he can play multiple spots. We know the versatility's there, but got to start seeing the production. And He showed it in the preseason last year, but that's just a different game than the regular season. He's got to show he can do it on real Sundays when the bullets are flying. So until he does that, I, I and I think the potential is certainly still there, but I am with you. They already had Nick Perry in for a visit. I think at this point, what's going to hurt bringing him in? I don't see any reason not to do that. Uh, he's still available. I think he's still a decent player that can help them. It's not like we're against the cap. I mean. Yeah, and they don't, they don't. It's not like their cap situation is is extremely out of whack. They've got cap room to bring him in, so they've yeah. got nothing to lose if it doesn't work out. At this stage, he, he's going to be taking a deal with few guarantees, if any, since he's still unsigned. 
So if he wants to play, he's going to have to take that offer. So you got nothing to lose if you're the Seahawks. Go get it. Another injury, another ankle. Mike Upati, Rob and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. He's had durability issues the past few years. He's missed the last two practices yesterday, or on Tuesday, he was in a walking boot. And then today, he didn't practice, but he didn't have the boot on anymore. So Pete Carroll's making it sound like he's in good shape. He's day-to-day. Obviously, with his injury history, some reason to be worried there. But at the same time, it's just now turning to August on the calendar. You want him to be healthy when the regular season starts in early September. So a veteran like that, training camp isn't necessarily as important to him, especially since he's played in Mike Solari's system before. Yeah, I'm not super concerned about him missing time. Um, and of course, when we signed, when the Seahawks signed Mikey Potty, you knew that there was a, a chance of injuries. And I, I really would be surprised if this was his only injury with the Seahawks. I'd be very happy because, <laughs> um, like I've said all all off season, if I can, if we can get 11, 12 games out of Mikey Potty at guard, pff, that's that's a win. Um, Ethan Postick was in the lineup in his place uh, for part of practice. Then Marcus Martin <laughs> had to jump in at left guard to close it out uh, for a few reasons. <laughs> we'll get to that later, but Justin Johnson is another is a is an unfortunate story. Undrafted rookie out of Mississippi State suffered a devastating non-contact injury during a team session, and and immediately after catching a pass, he came up lame and crippled to the turf. And it, and whenever you see that, it's usually two things: it's either an ACL or an Achilles, and it looks like here it's an Achilles, and that's what I think Pete Carroll fears would happen. But you gotta feel for the kid. Yeah, you really do. It stinks for somebody like this that probably wasn't going to be on the outside looking in anyway. But he's a player that maybe had a good chance to be a practice squad guy. And now he's going to be going to injury reserve most likely with with it likely being an Achilles injury. And these are the kind of injuries that you just, unfortunately, you can't avoid. They're going to happen. It doesn't matter. And these injuries are more likely to happen when, when guys aren't smacking each other and they're just out there running with their helmet and shoulder pads on. So I, I find it, it's difficult. It's just really tough for these coaches to be able to set up a practice plan. You can't truly eliminate injuries in this sport no matter what you do. It stinks for this kid and hopefully he can get healthy as quick as possible and somebody will give him an opportunity next season so he can try to make it in the NFL. One last news note here real quick. Uh, Seattle made one minor tweak. You mentioned bringing in Nick Perry. I think a lot of people thought the Seahawks were going to sign a defensive lineman given the LJ Collier news. They released... Uh, receiver Daniel Williams, who was with the team for one week. That happens a lot this time of year. Williams was released, and a lot of people thought they'll fill that extra roster spot with a defensive lineman. Didn't happen. They just swapped receivers, and they ended up bringing in out of Florida State Nyquan Murray. He was actually with the Seahawks for their rookie minicamp, so they are familiar with him. A a fairly speedy receiver, had decent production at Florida State, so another receiver to put in their rotation. likely just a camp body, but they're rotating those guys instead of bringing in a defensive lineman. Coming up in our second quarter, there was a lot of excitement coming out of Seahawks camp today, and not all of it was related to football plays. There's plenty of after-the-whistle extracurricular activities. Before we move forward, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go and you could increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. 
Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. When we return, we'll check out what happened at the VMAC. We'll be right back. Don't hit your stop button. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. With me, my sidekick, Nick Lee. We got tons to talk about from today's sixth training camp practice. It was a really exciting practice. One of the things that really stood out was the fact that we had our first fight of training camp and you're always looking forward to that i you know this is another thing this it still happens in training camps you see it at all 32 teams have this happen at some point and i don't know how you feel about this certainly you and you played a lot of football like i did and i always hated having to hit my teammates over and over again it gets annoying after a while frustrations start to boil over and you're going to have these fights so the Seahawks had their first one in camp today we're gonna have a chance to look at that Uh, make sure to keep listening in the third quarter we're going to play Nick's favorite game a little bit of stock watch but let's get to the VMAC activity today what happened in Renton the sixth training camp practice Ethan Posick and Jaron Reed mixing it up on the field, getting into an altercation, and Pete Carroll uh, lays down the law and kicks both of them off the practice field. Again, this kind of stuff, it's going to happen in training camp. These guys get tired of hitting the same people, their teammates over and over again. Frustrations boil over, but Pete Carroll is trying to discipline these guys. They can't have this happen in games, so he gave them the boot for what they chose to do on the field. You know what? With there's there's several common things about training camp. One of them is everyone's coming in on the in the best shape of their life, and the second is that there's going to be fights. Um, like you mentioned, all 32 teams have this. When you put you know 90 something alpha males in the same room for weeks at a time, it's going to happen. Because if you're playing NFL football, you're pretty much an alpha male. I mean, that's kind of the just how it goes. And and all these guys have had to work fight and fight tooth and nail. Even the guys that are on the outside looking in, they're all used to competition. They're all used to being um, either doubted and they have a chip on their shoulder or they've come from a rough background and they, they just have that edge or, or they're looking to prove themselves. And, and it's, it's bound to happen and it's not always a bad thing. Of course, you don't want teammates fighting because you want good, good clubhouse camaraderie. But with, yeah, like you said, just pounding each other over and over again, it's, it's going to happen eventually. And I think it's good. You know, the competitive spirits. Is you gotta have you always gotta be competing and Pete Carroll is preaching that preaching that with competition is gonna come some contention, um, yeah. and those two words are not are not too far apart from each other. Yeah, here's my view on it. This is one of those things. Like I said, it's to me it's unavoidable in NFL training camps, even with them being drastically different than they used to be. These guys are still gonna be hitting each other, and there's still gonna be plenty of contentious behavior going on out there. And my viewpoint is if you if this is not ever happening, then I'm questioning if we're doing things right obviously you want it to be a teaching moment and you can go ahead and punish the guys have them run sprints especially since they had a lot of trouble with 
line of scrimmage today. It was a sloppy practice. So he had every reason to turn around and punish his team for that. Use it as a teaching moment. But at the same time, this is one of those things you pull Jaron Reed and Ethan Posnick aside and say, hey, guys, you know, I like the fire you're playing with. Just hone it in a little bit. Just We can't have the extracurricular stuff, but I, I like the passion you're playing with. So obviously what happened a few years ago with Frank Clark and Jermaine Effetti, that was unacceptable. You can't have uh, guys throwing punches at each other and stuff, but... You know, there's gonna be there's gonna be some fights on the field, and it's you know these kind of things are gonna happen. I think that you can find a way to make it benefit your team while still using it as a teaching moment for your players too. Seattle has always been known for rocking music at practice. If you've ever been to training camp before, I know you've been to a few uh, sessions, Nick. Uh, they are always blasting music there during their practices, and a lot of it has to do with you know trying to create that environment where they're dealing with distractions, being able to handle playing in a tough road environment even at home there's a lot of music at CenturyLink Field so that's not all there is to this though and today the Seahawks had another distraction that had plenty of noise going and that was the Blue Angels flying over the stadium and you could hear it during Pete Carroll's press conference too they were still flying over the top you couldn't hear the reporters questions I don't know how Pete Carroll could even hear what they were asking him uh, but this was another situation where they had a distraction that they had to try to deal with. That's the adversity you're going to have to deal with on the field. And certainly that's the big, one of the big reasons that they like to have these kind of noises on the practice field. But Carroll also had some other interesting reasons why they bring the music to the table. Yeah, and it's, it's, he says it's never quiet at a, at a, at a stadium. At, at wherever we're going, away or home, we have to learn how to deal with that whole factor. We also get the, that benefit as well. It, it's really more about than that. It's all it's more about the juice and the energy that it works and lends to lends us to. And Pete Carroll is just an uplifting guy. He he loves uh just being. He's the young. He's the oldest coach in the NFL. And in some of the ways, he's the youngest. Uh, he just acts. He doesn't act his age, which is a good thing. Um, by the way, whenever I hear the Blue Angels fly, and I can't hear myself think, I just think you hear that. That's the sound of freedom, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- I'm sure the players loved it. I- I'm sure yeah. they loved having the Blue Angels. If you haven't seen them, it's it's quite a spectacle. So having that and I- being somebody at training camp today, could you imagine that? You're getting to watch the Seahawks on the field and you've got the Blue Angels at the same time. I mean, my ADD would be kicking in hardcore there. I don't know if I would. I, I don't know if I'd be paying attention to the field. I'd probably just be staring up at the. Uh, planes but certainly another nice distraction to have that they're going to have to deal with stuff like that arrowhead stadium might sound yeah exactly so it's good preparation for them and uh, obviously they were slapping the field but that's something that they can learn from uh, moving forward into this 2019 season now let's talk about a few things that happened on the field this is the most notable thing to me but i think paxton lynch maybe today you don't want to put too much stock in one practice, but I think maybe he closed that gap with Geno Smith just a little bit. He made some pretty impressive throws today, including a 45-yard touchdown to Malik Turner uh, that he would manage to beat Tedrick Thompson in coverage. And so uh, that ended up giving the Seahawks six if they were putting them on the scoreboard, a really nice play. And then he had another touchdown that was called back by a penalty, then turns around and he does what Paxton Lynch does. He throws a red zone interception, but... Uh, Shalom Milani picking the pass off, but overall, I still think easily his best day so far as a Seahawk, and maybe uh, closing that gap a little bit with Geno Smith. Yeah, and I, we knew it was going to be close. They have, they bring some similar things to the table. I still think Geno Smith has a good edge with his athleticism, his uh, his experience, and Paxton Lynch. Really, like like I said last week when I was on 
we just don't know much about him because he's played five games in the NFL and and that could be good or bad and and sounds like I mean from the Broncos perspective it was bad but you know it's it, hopefully you never have to ask him to th- be thrown in, into the action but yeah it's 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 encouraging of course you want your backups to to have confidence that they can at least be serviceable in games so this is something certainly to watch and and, and certainly I think when you're going to training camp this is something that that's probably the most watchable the most the maybe that the average fan could get take some stock in is how good the quarterbacks are doing and so certainly if you're going to training camp this will be a fun battle to watch throughout the rest of training camp now let's talk about one of your i know you don't like utah at all but he's just a guy that you certainly are familiar with and that's marquise blair who's finally back from the pup list and he's back as a full participant he was the second team safety for the seahawks today he actually picked off russell wilson and took it back to the house for a pick six, juggled the ball a couple times and managed to gather it and then took off for the end zone. So Marquise Blair making some plays, getting back into that mix, and he is right in the competition to get some playing time. I'm sure they're going to be looking at him some at free safety here as well, but they're starting him off at the position that maybe he's most inclined to play right now, that strong safety spot. So a really good development for the Seahawks in that secondary. This has been pretty banged up throughout the offseason. Yeah, and it's a great sign, and I, I do not like Utah, especially since my BYU Cougs play them in four weeks from tonight. College football four weeks away. I'm so excited for that too. Um, but like I said all off season, I, I hate to say it, but Utah's defense was really fun to watch, and you got two Utes on the Seahawks defense with Cody Barton as well, and Marquise Blair. I think he's going to get some significant stat snaps early because in this season he is just an assassin, and he he fits that strong safety you know, Bill to a T. And I know Bradley, we got Bradley McDougald now. We all know, we, Seahawks will not always have Bradley McDougald, and he, whether he gets hurt, God forbid, or, you know, eventually he'll his contract will expire. I think Marquise Blair is a pretty darn good uh, replacement so far, and, and he's going to find a way to get on the field. I think he's that good. And and the Seahawks did have a bit of, of a scare, like you mentioned, some injuries. Um, <laughs> uh, this would, but this down, one would have been devastating if it was, if it was cool. serious. Yeah, Tyler Lockett went down. But it was the wind knocked out. So, you know, whenever the wind gets knocked out of somebody, it always looks worse than it is because they're down for a while. They're kind of crumpled over. If you've ever had that happen, it's painful. And he was down on the ground for a couple minutes, and I I don't blame him. I've been there when I played. It happened to me a couple times. That's one of the things where you're like, am I dying? <laughs> and then your, your a couple minutes later, yeah, a couple minutes later, you're like, I feel perfect. What the heck was that? Uh, but man, the couple minutes that it's going on, it is, it's a very unnatural feeling. <laughs> you don't know necessarily yeah, if you're part of this earth it's anymore. Coming. Exactly. You don't know if you're part <laughs> of this earth anymore. So uh, thank goodness he was able to return to practice. And that would have been a really big loss for them if it was if he actually suffered a significant injury. And this is really the last takeaway I have from today. Obviously, with Jaron Reed's suspension situation, and then you end up having uh, him getting kicked out of practice today too. This was their defensive line at one point during scrimmaging with the first unit. They had Brandon Jackson at defensive end. They had Al Woods and Earl Mitchell as the defensive tackles, and they had Rasheem Green at the other defensive end spot. Now, obviously, Puna Ford has been working almost exclusively with that first team. They've been working Cassius Marsh there, but... I'm not super confident if that's your starting group. Maybe that's a group that you have in the game at some point rotating together, but 
That is certainly, you mentioned earlier, the depth issues. That's certainly something to (laughs) watch moving into uh, their first preseason game and beyond, especially with Collier being out. How does that depth shake out? There's certainly something to be left desired there if that group's going to be the one that's on the field. When we return from the break, Nick and I are going to partake in one of our favorite pastimes. We're going to head to Wall Street and we're going to play a little bit of stock watch. Which players have really helped their stock so far this first week of practice and which players have have not helped their cause for making the 53-man roster going into the 2019 season. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Alongside me tonight, my longtime host, Nick Lee. Glad to have him back in the saddle for tonight's show. And we're going to play one of your favorite games here. In honor of you being back on the show on this beautiful Thursday night, going to play some stock watch. How this is going to work for the 12s that maybe haven't heard this before, if you haven't listened to our prior shows, Nick and I are going to pick three players apiece that we believe have helped their cause so far in training camp, and then a brief explanation why. And then we're going to pick a couple players due to time constraints. We're going to pick two players, and we try to you know be a little more positive than negative on this show most of the time. We're going to pick two players that have been on the opposite end of the spectrum, haven't necessarily helped their cause and, and maybe hurt their chances of making the final roster. Before we get to that, NBA player and Locked On podcast analyst Trevor Brooker joined the Locked On NBA team on Monday. He broke down the deals, left one team out as a title contender that will surprise you, and is high on one team more than others in the West. Get this information on the Locked On NBA podcast. So, Nick, it's time for us to go to Wall Street. It's time to play the stock market game. Let's start with the positives. Which players have really improved their stock? Who's the first player that you're saying on the Seahawks has really raised his stock so far in training camp? Got to love the big guys. I always got to give the big guys some love. George Fant. Um, every every time I read, I, I can't always follow minute by minute on Twitter um, the the updates on on training camp. I, I actually can't couldn't get out this year. But uh, whenever I read about training camp observations or on tweets, George Fant finds himself in there some way, and it's almost always positive. Um, whether he's lining up a tight end or he's today at tackle, uh, backing up for Dwayne Brown, I think that speaks volumes that he was in at tackle um, after Dwayne Brown was out. And I think that this probably means he could be, in, he's definitely in the running, at least in the running, for that swing tackle position. I think we both are pretty high on Jamarco Jones, but having him as that third tackle um, could be huge, especially if he's on the field so much. Um, it, it, you'd like to think that he could probably bring, be that swing tackle, but of course you're gonna line up, he's going to line up a tight end. I still think he's catching at least one touchdown this year. I, they're still throwing him passes. So he, he's just being talked about more just because of you, you always love the big guys trying to score touchdowns, but also maybe the swing tackle as well. Yeah, I think just the fact he's going to get a lot of snaps at tight end, that you mentioned the swing tackle, that sixth offensive lineman, I think it was telling that, and it's just one practice, but with Brown being out for personal reasons that they went to George Fant as the left tackle there over Jamarco Jones, certainly a player Jones was that was intriguing the Seahawks last year before he got hurt. So they got George Fant uh, in front of him. So it's interesting how that is playing out right now. But uh, my first pick for stock up, I know it's crazy. We talk about him all the time on the show, but DK Metcalf just continues to impress me more and more. And you can see it on the practice field. Uh, the one practice that I was able to get out to every time he was coming in the game, if Paxton Lynch 
or Geno Smith was on the field. I'm telling you, Russell Wilson just checked himself into the lineup, it felt like, every single time. So he's doing whatever he can to get out there to throw to DK Metcalf. You can see that he loves him, and he's called him, he's compared him to LeBron James. He said he has a Hall of Fame skill set. I mean, he loves his new target out of Ole Miss, and again, had a bunch of impressive catches today. Yeah, a couple days ago, he had a 40-yard one-handed grab. I mean, he's just a freak athlete, and you're starting to see the football skills that he has too. So uh, the hype train is not slowing down. It's just accelerating for DK Metcalf. Yeah, and it it shouldn't slow down. I think that he's going to be turning into, you know, the second best receiver behind Tyler Lockett before the season's over. I think we're starting to see that trend. I know everyone's high on Jerome Brown still, but DK Metcalf is, is on his heels, if not having passed him already. Um, as the second best receiver on this team. Uh, my second guy for, for stock up is Ugo Amadi. Um, I, I've been high on him offseason, all offseason since the draft. You know this. My, our listeners know this. Um, I'm picking him to, to start to be the starting nickel cornerback before the end of the season. And he had a pick six uh, a couple years, a couple, couple years, a couple days ago. <laughs> I'm sure he's had a pick six a couple years ago, too. Um, he's just been all over the field. He's doing everything the coaches have asked. And he's just one of those guys you can just tell Pete Carroll – trusts him more than maybe other rookies are just plugging him into different places and seems like he's picking up a defense real fast and Pete Carroll notices that kind of stuff and I think he's going to be on the field early and often this season yeah you went with Amadi who's certainly been impressive I'm going to go with Tedrick Thompson as my second pick for stock up now I mentioned earlier he did get burned today it's going to happen occasionally at practice but he had a really nice interception a couple practices ago that was shaded uh, shades of Bobby Wagner a few years ago managed to wrestle the football away from the the receiver comes down to the pick he's made a couple other really nice pass deflections he looks much more comfortable out there and with him being more instinctive than ever you're maybe starting to see those ball skills he showed at Colorado they're starting to translate a little bit to the NFL this is a guy that had seven picks his senior season and I think he's taking advantage even though it was a small window of you know Blair not being there that first three or four practices able to compete and uh, Amadi being back there uh, Delano Hill's not practicing full yet so he's taking advantage of some of those injuries getting more reps at free safety and he's really solidified his standing there so I've got to go with him as my second uh, selection there. For my third one stock up, I'm going to the defensive line here with a player that Pete Carroll was raving about today. He's in his second stint with the Seahawks now. Much more mature, and I I really believe this. Cassius Marsh benefited immensely from being with the Patriots and the 49ers, with two other teams, and really understanding what he had in Seattle. And he hated New England. He hated playing for the Patriots. He wasn't having fun there. It's just it's not for everybody. There's a lot of great players that that have a ton of success there, obviously, but it's not for everybody. San Francisco, he was able to rediscover his game a little bit. Career high five and a half sacks last year. And now he's getting a lot of first-team reps, some of it by injury, but, I mean, he's getting his opportunities. And this is a player that has improved against the run. He had his best year as a pass rusher last year. So I think Cassius Marsh, I talked about this yesterday in the podcast with Rob, I think he's got a decent chance to maybe be a starter in week one potentially for this team, especially if Ziggy Anza isn't quite able to get back for that first game. So i got to go with him as my defensive lineman that's really stepped up. Yeah, I agree. It's It's – Kind of dire. He's a, he's a dire need right now. The defensive line with LJ Collier going down, Ziggy Ansah not sure um, if what what's happening there. I know that he's not the exact same player as those two, but just the depth. I think that he he adds a tremendous amount of experience, and I think he's going to have a really nice bounce back uh, tenure at the Seahawks. Here, my third guy, Marquise Blair. We already mentioned him. I'm really high. You can, if in case you didn't know, I'm pretty high on the rookie secondary. 
<laughs> the this this draft class that they they brought in from the, for the secondary Ugo Amadi and Marquise Blair. I think he's just going to be a phenomenal uh, strong safety, especially like again, God forbid, if Bradley McDougal needs replacing um, anytime soon. I think he's he's a bit raw when it comes to some some technical stuff and some and he's you know had some issues with targeting and, and stuff like that. But I think he made the, he had another pick six, so I picked both guys both rookies that had pick sixes this week. Um, and and I'm really I'm really feeling this this uh, young secondary. Yeah, this secondary has been fun to watch so far. A couple of those young guys stepping up, and with guys being out, Lano Hill is certainly a player I could have considered for this next section. But since he hasn't been able to play, I decided eh, I'll go with a couple other candidates here for the stock down. You hate to say players have hurt their stock in just a week, but one guy that has certainly hurt his stock. He comes into this camp. Jaron Reed's got the suspension. L.J. Collier's hurt. This is a great opportunity for Nas Jones. And yet, he's had a couple practices. He hasn't been able to participate. He's just been in a jersey and shorts. Unfortunately, he is not taking advantage of this opportunity. And it's just, it's unfortunate because he showed so much promise that first season in Seattle a couple years ago. And then last year, he played well when given opportunities, but he only played in nine games. He was a healthy scratch for seven games. And I just... I just get the feeling at this point, the Seahawks obviously haven't given up on him. If he comes out and has a couple nice preseason games, he's right back in the mix. They need depth anywhere they can find it on that defensive line. Uh, but I just feel like he's really he's really hurt his chances just by not being available every day when he really could have seized this opportunity. The best availability or the best ability is availability and he hasn't been available, which you know that's that that that, that doesn't uh, that doesn't bode well. Um, as far as uh, my first one is Ethan Posick. Um, fighting doesn't doesn't hurt. I know the, this, at the end of the day when camp's done, maybe one day of fighting, maybe not. That won't uh, hurt his chances too much. But just where he stands with the coaches, I'm still not sure. He fell down the depth charts pretty hard last year. And now you got guys like Jordan Simmons. you got Phil Haynes. They're really excited about it, if he can get healthy. Marcus um, Martin, that's another guy. Marcus he Martin. Got, he came yeah. in after Post got ejected today from practice. So maybe Martin's now going to get some opportunities. He's a former third-round pick that started some games yeah. in the NFL. So. Yeah, so I, I think that Ethan Postick is, uh, needs to start looking around uh, over his shoulder because especially with how today went, um, things aren't looking good for him. I would agree with that. I, you know, and the thing is, he, it was telling to me that he was getting those reps, and, and what's really helped him is Phil Haynes hasn't gotten back yet from the pup list. Well, I'm interested to see how that plays out when Haynes comes back. But uh, my second pick, and maybe not a guy that hasn't underperformed at camp, he's just he has not been one of the six best receivers to this point, and I'm waiting to see what he can do. And that's John Ursua. Maybe he shines in preseason games. Uh, he's a player that I expected to be in the mix for roster spot. Right now, he's really in a battle just to have an opportunity there because they've still got uh, Keenan Reynolds is getting some opportunities in the slot. They're going to play Jennings out of there. David Moore is getting some reps now in the slot. So he is a really natural route runner from there, but just it's been pretty quiet uh, quiet on the Ursua front to this point. And I just, I'm waiting to see him have that bust out practice where he really gets things together. And I, I want to see what he can do, do in the preseason as well. But this is a really log jam position. A lot of really good receivers there. Uh, obviously some question marks without Doug Baldwin, but he's going to have to step it up. So at this point, I just, maybe he hasn't had his stock go down, but it hasn't gone. It definitely hasn't gone up and he hasn't been able to really stand out against the other receivers that they have. And I'm going to take that similar argument and give it to Bo Scarborough running back. I know that's not a sexy name to bring up, and but I know you were high on him when they brought him in, and also um, I was starting to buy in. He was a stud running back at Alabama. 
Um, but it, it's kind of the same thing. It's not that he's done horrible or anything like that. He, I just, he just hasn't popped off the page as much, especially with, don't look now, but CJ Procise hasn't gotten majorly injured. He's only had the uh, flu and missed one practice. He's yeah, good so <laughs> I think a healthy CJ Procise only spells doom for both Scarborough. So I'm not saying necessarily Scarborough's bombing practice or anything like that, but I think that he's trending downward. Um, that's what this game is all about because if CJ Procise, I know I've, it's going to be weird to say this, but if he can stay healthy, he can he can help this team a lot. And I and it's it, it, so far he's after that flu, he, he actually has stayed healthy and participated. So. Um, it, as long as CJ Procise is healthy, I think both Burrow Scarborough is certainly on the outside looking in. On yeah, the outside looking in. Yeah, I think Scarborough is in. A, is another guy that's in a dogfight that isn't necessarily because he hasn't performed. It's just that is a really crowded position, and he doesn't have the third down back characteristics that Travis right. Homer, McKissick, and uh, CJ Procise when he's healthy have. So that's certainly a disadvantage for him. He has the advantages between the tackles runner, no question. And if Seattle wants to have another guy like that, then he's certainly going to be in the mix for a spot and I think the preseason games are going to be really big deciding how that shakes out with a third and fourth running back there in that really talented crowded room anyway 12s we have run out of time here on the locked on Seahawks podcast it just flies every day and we wish honestly the shows could just go on and on there's always so much to talk about this time of year but make sure to follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL you can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51 if you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the locked on Seahawks podcast you can contact me lockedseahawks at gmail.com make sure to subscribe to our show on itunes stitcher spotify or whatever your preferred podcast platform is by visiting us at lockedonseahawks.com we're going to be back tomorrow i'm going to be riding solo tomorrow and i'll be taking a closer look at the defensive side at the defensive end depth chart i feel like it's time to revisit that given the injuries that they've got there and a lot of uncertainty so we'll continue our position confidential series be looking at what happens happens tomorrow in practice and we'll have some kind of a game mixed in as well in the podcast tune in enjoy the rest of your thursday go hawks